0: The passage is Psalm 51, 1 to 12. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love; according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth and in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret high. Page me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, good morning to those of you who are here in the worship center, to those of you who are joining us online, as well as those of you who are joining us in the venue. Uh, Today is day seven of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Around 370 people are joining us for this experience. If this is your first week with us, or you have not yet signed up uh, and would like to just join us for the last two weeks, we would love for you to do that. You can do that through the Church Center app. You can register there. Uh, You can check the box on the connection card, and we'll get you a link to the registration. But you might just want to check it out, see what it is. You'll get an email every day with uh, a devotional and prayer points and that type of thing. But during this 21 days, we are practicing three core disciplines of abiding. We're seeking to abide in Christ and let His words abide in us. Jesus promised that as we abide, that he will give us freedom and he will give us fruitfulness. Last week we talked about the importance of abiding with faith. Today we're going to talk about the importance of abiding with the spirit of repentance. And the Psalm 51 that David, uh, Daniel read a minute ago is an expression of David's repentance after his sin with Bathsheba. I'd encourage you to read 2 Samuel 11 and 12 when you have a chance. It gives the background to this psalm, but I will give just a brief recap here now to set the context. So David had stayed home in Jerusalem while his army was away in battle. And one afternoon he looked and he was on the top of his his palace and he looked down and he saw Bathsheba bathing. And Bathsheba was married. She was married to Uriah. Uriah was in David's army. He was actually off at war. And Uriah was actually one of David's war buddies. He was one of his mighty men. They were like special forces. They went out on special special, uh, campaigns. Uh, But David was just so captivated by Bathsheba's beauty that he sent for her. And she came to his palace and they had an affair. Sometime later, Bathsheba let David know that she was pregnant with his child. And so David uh, hatched this plan to to cover up what had happened. And so he invited Uriah back from the front lines uh, under the guise of finding out how the battle was going. But he really wanted Uriah to go down and spend the night with his wife. And everyone would think that the child was actually Uriah's. But Uriah was such a man of integrity, he said, I, I cannot go and enjoy my wife while my fellow soldiers are out in, in the middle of the, the field in danger. And so David hatched yet another plot. He went to his general, Joab, and it was just this in, incredible abuse of power. And uh, they, they came up with this plan to have Uriah abandoned on the battlefield so he would be killed By their enemies. And the plan worked. And David, Uriah was killed, and David took Bathsheba as his wife. And so that's the end of the story, right? Wrong. That's never the end of the story. And so God sent the prophet Nathan to David. And Nathan told David this story. So there were these two men. This one man had these great flocks. He had all these sheep. He was a rich man. There was a poor man. He had one lone lamb, and he was a, a cherished lamb. It was like a, a pet. He was like a, a, She was like a member of the family, a daughter to him. Well, travelers came to the rich man's house, and instead of slaughtering the lamb from his flocks, he took the lamb, the one lamb, from the poor man, and he slaughtered that lamb, and he fed it to his guests. And David's reaction was predictable. He was outraged. He said, that man deserves to die. And in one of the most memorable uh, lines in the entire Bible, uh, Nathan said to David, You are the man. You are the man. And in that moment, David realized that he could no longer pretend like everything was fine. But David found himself at this crossroads, this crossroad, perhaps the most, uh, um, uh, the most consequential, consequential crossroad in his life. He could do what the vast majority of the other kings of Israel would do. Namely, he could continue to walk in pride and selfishness, or he could humble his heart and he could repent and David repented psalm 51 is is his prayer of repentance and psalm 51 is incredibly helpful for us because it gives us a simple template for repentance and at some point every single one of us will come to that same crossroads we will be found out uh, either by other people or but but always by God we will be confronted with our sin and we will have to decide Am I going to stay in rebellion against God? Am I going to walk in pride? Or am I going to walk the road of repentance? Am I going to humble myself and walk in repentance? Well, Psalm 51 shows us what true repentance looks like. And what we're going to see is that repentance is a radically God-centered process where we turn from our sin and we turn toward God And we petition him in faith for full restoration. Full repentance involves turning from sin, turning to God, and then experiencing full restoration in our relationship with him. The first point is this. Repentance involves turning away from sin and turning toward God. The first two verses have a a cluster of petitions, and we'll come back to those in a few minutes but we first want to skip down to verses 3 through 6 since they give the reason why David made these petitions, why he cried out for mercy and, uh, and for cleansing. Verse 3, David said, For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. There was a time when David's sins were known to him, but they were not a big deal. They weren't front and center. But he says, But now... I know my sin, my sins are ever before my mind's eye. Uh, David had come to a place where he understood that he had to deal with his sins in God's presence. And so in verse four, we read this, and this is a striking, striking statement that he says to God against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. What a statement to make. Of course, we hear that and we think, well, David, David sinned against a lot of other people besides God. He sinned against uh, Bathsheba, he sinned against Uriah, he sinned against Joab, he sinned against many different people. But David got to the, the, to the point where he understood that his sin against God towered far above all of these other sins he had committed. And it's not to trivialize the sins he committed against other people. They suffered greatly. They suffered in monumental ways because of David's sin. But he understood first and foremost that he had sinned against God. And so he understood that repentance involved not just turning from his sin, but turning toward God and doing business with God himself. My own experience and my observation in the lives of of many people is that many times we never go that far. We feel guilty, we feel shame because of our sin, and so we want to get past the sin. But so many times we don't go all the way to the presence of God, we don't make eye contact with God, We don't deal with our sin in his presence. We don't acknowledge that he is the one who is most offended by what we've done. But uh, God wants much more than for us to stop sinning. God wants us to love him with all our heart, soul, and might. God wants the relationship restored. So if we're gonna repent in in a biblical sense, We have to turn from our sin, and we have to actually come to God and say, God, against you and you alone have I sinned. I've done what's evil in your sight. And so how did David sin against God? Let me just mention the two most obvious ways. He sinned against God because he violated the, the covenant of marriage between Uriah and Bathsheba. Marriage is God, marriage comes from the mind and the heart of God. It's not a human construct. And so what David was saying to God when he sent for Bathsheba was, I care more about my lust than your design for marriage. And so he sinned against God when he sinned with Bathsheba. And second, David sinned against God when he had Uriah murdered. Uriah was created in the image of God. And so murder is an attack on the image of God. And Jesus said that anger is as well, Matthew 5, 22. And so David understood he had sinned against God. In the last two lines, David expresses basically to God, God, you are fully justified when you declare me guilty. I cannot ever accuse you of being unfair or unjust when you pronounce a verdict against me. And in true repentance, we have to get to that place as well. We have to say to God, basically, as the created, I can never accuse my creator of being unjust or unfair. You sit in judgment against me. I don't sit in judgment against you. In verse 5, David went so far as to say that his history with sin predated his birth. Okay, He says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. He wasn't saying that there was anything sinful about the circumstances of his birth. He's saying that he inherited sin at birth, at conception. Verse 6 Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. So again, David understood that God wanted something much more than good behavior. The Pharisees proved that you can, you can have the right behavior in many, many respects, and yet your heart can be far from God. But David, David understood that God wanted agreement with him in his innermost being. He wanted, God wanted him to agree that he and his ways were true and right. Again, God wanted David to love him with all of his heart. And so David showed us that repentance involves turning away from sin and turning toward God, making eye contact with God and saying, God, against you only have I sinned. Therefore, I need this relationship with you restored first and foremost. And everyone who experiences salvation has to enter into this type of repentance. You simply cannot experience uh, salvation unless you repent in this full God-centered way. A friend of mine said to me this, this past week, he said, a Christian is not a person who says to God, I am basically a good person and I want Jesus to make me even better right? He said, no, that's not what a Christian is. A Christian is someone who comes to God and declares, God, I have sinned by nature and by choice. God, I, I am thoroughly sinful. I am dead in my sin. And I believe that you are just when you say that the wages of sin is death. That is a just verdict. I cannot argue with you. But a Christian is someone who says, but I believe that Jesus' death is the death that I deserved. He paid the penalty for my sin, therefore I accept him. And so that's what, that's what a believer is. That's a person who is born from above. And if you have never repented in that way and put your faith in Christ, please understand that, that this is a standing offer that God makes to you. And please understand that repentance is not a punishment. Repentance is a gift we're told in, in uh, Acts 11 that God grants repentance to people. It's a gift to be able to turn and experience life in Christ. And once we do, our relationship with God is whole and we actually become family. We're in God's family, we're as sons and daughters and if you're part of a family, you understand that that, Includes if you're part of a family, you have privileges, but you also have relate you have responsibilities. And so, uh, when we sin, we're still family, but the relationship is strained. If you have kids who if you have kids who have strayed, uh, you know what I'm about to say here. But when your kids stray and they betray you or they violate something that's very dear to you. They're still your kids. You still love those kids. They're still family. And you want more than anything else for them to come to their senses and to come back to you and to just admit, Mom, Dad, I have, I have betrayed you. I've done, done things that grieved your heart, and I want to make it right. And you want nothing more than for them to humble themselves and come back to you in repentance. And you welcome them with open arms. And that's exactly what God wants. Jesus said over and over that God the Father is better than any good father, any good parent here on earth. Now, when we come back to him, he restores us completely. Why? Because that's what we need as his kids. And that's what he wants as our father. And it's not that there aren't any consequences. There are. There are severe consequences many times for the things we've done. But we don't let those consequences rob us and rob God of experiencing the fullness of our relationship with him. And so the second thing that we... we, we, we learn about repentance in Psalm 51 and put it in, putting it in new covenant terms is that repentance is accompanied by faith in Jesus for full restoration, full restoration. And again, if God just wanted us to feel guilty, if he just wanted us to feel crummy because we had sinned, that would be a pretty easy task. No, he wants to restore us fully. I count 19 petitions in Psalm 51. 19. I mean, David wanted it all. We've only got time to consider a few of these, but beginning in verse 1, David very boldly asked God to take care of his sin completely. And so David wasn't like the the younger brother in the parable of the prodigal son. You may remember that when he came back to his, uh, his father's household... He was basically planning on negotiating a deal with his father, whereby he would enter the household not as a son, but as a servant. He didn't want full status. He didn't want full restoration. No, just, just, just make me a servant, and I'll be happy. But Jesus made clear in that parable that that's not the way God the Father responds when we repent. That father wanted that son to be to come back and have full status in his household. He gave him a ring. He gave him a robe. He threw a party for him. And that's that's what David wanted from God, full restoration. Look at verse 1. He says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. And so he's appealing to God. He's appealing to his steadfast love. That's the word hesed. That's the covenant love. He's saying, God, I'm not good, but I'm yours. I'm in covenant with you. You are God of love. You are abundant in mercy. So I ask you to wipe out my transgressions, every crime I've committed against you. Verse 2, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin." Uh, sin left David feeling dirty and unclean. Same is true for us. When we sin, we feel it. David said, my body, my bones, my body was wasting away when I kept silent about my sin. So David wanted all that God. He, he wanted to be cleaned thoroughly. Down in verse 10, he, yes, he prays about his heart. We saw earlier in verse 6 that, that God desires truth in the innermost being. And so he prays about his heart. He wanted it to be fully restored. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, renew a right spirit within me. He wanted no remnant of sin, no remnant of iniquity. He wanted a right spirit or a steadfast spirit, one that's steady, one that's stable, one that's not fickle, but one that's intent on doing the will of God. And then finally in verse 12, this is one of the, one of the most striking for me. He says, restore to me joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Do you think that's reckless? Do you think that's presumptuous of David after everything he'd done? Adultery, murder, uh, abuse of power, corruption. And here's David. He's praying, God, I want you to restore to me the whole thing. I want to experience joy over the salvation that you've given me. Of course, that's that's what God wanted. That's what David needed, and that's what God wanted. Uh, That's what every parent wants for their kids, full restoration. Therefore, for our good and for God's glory, repentance is accompanied by faith in Jesus for full restoration. That's what we go for in repentance. And that's what we're pursuing with this 21 days of prayer and fasting. We are seeking to abide in Christ so fully that he gives us freedom and he gives us fruitfulness in Christ Jesus. If you read the rest of Psalm 51, you'll find that after David repented, he experienced this fruitfulness. He said, then after you cleanse me, then I will teach sinners your way. He would have this this impact in the lives of others. And that's what we're seeking in this 21 days. So I want us to take just a few minutes and talk about how we might practice the disciplines of abiding with repentance. What does that look like? How do we do that? Well, let's think about Scripture, uh, prayer, and then fasting. First of all, approaching Scripture with, with a, a spirit of repentance. This is what Paul wrote about Scripture in 2 Timothy 3.16. And so it's implicit. This is what Scripture does. Verse 16 of 2 Timothy 3, all Scripture is breathed out by God. It's the product of God's breath. He's spoken it. It's God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And so it's profitable for reproof, for correcting us. And so if we allow it to, the Holy Spirit through Scripture will say to us, what Nathan said to David. Now, this week, as you're reading, you're reading Proverbs, the Holy Spirit will whisper to you, you are the man. You are the woman. You are the girl. You are the boy that I'm talking about right there. This is for you. This is a word of correction, of reproof for you, And so go to Scripture assuming that there are ways that you need to understand truth in your innermost being that you're not experiencing right now. How about praying with the spirit of repentance? In Psalm 139, we find this this amazing prayer that David prayed. And I would encourage us all to pray this just as we go through our our days as we listen to God through Scriptures. He said this in Psalm 139. 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my, my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And so we breathe this prayer of repentance. God, I want to know what you want to tell me. Correct me. Reprove me that I might repent. Well, how about fasting with the spirit of Repentance. Now, scripture gives a number of different reasons why a person would fast, but one of the most prominent that's lifted up is that it's a way to humble ourselves before God. Uh, when you fast, you, you're putting yourself intentionally in a place of weakness. You're, you're putting yourself in a place where you're reminded of your need to turn from your sins. In uh, Nehemiah 1, we have a striking example. We read, on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. In other words, they were throwing dirt on their heads. And so, Nehemiah goes on to explain how they confessed their sin to God. As you fast this week, whether you're fasting from food or you're fasting from something else, uh, you will experience weakness. You will find yourself realizing, I am so weak. If God doesn't sustain me, if God doesn't work, I'm just just un, undone. When you experience your weakness, let it remind you that the reason you're fasting, one of the reasons is because you need to remember to turn from your sin and turn back to God and ask him for full restoration. In whatever area of your life you need it. And so at Faith, we seek to be a a disciple-making church that loves God, loves one another, and loves our neighbors. And it all begins with loving God. And we cannot love God the way we need to unless we walk in repentance. And so this week, as you seek God through the Word, through prayer, and through fasting, do so with the spirit of repentance. Uh, allow God to empower you, the spirit within you, allow the spirit to empower you to turn from your sin and to turn all the way back to God, that you might come clean before him, that he might cleanse you and that you might experience fullness of restoration in your relationship with him. So God, this is what we're going for. This is what we want. This is what you desire for us. And so we ask, God, that this week, as we seek you, that we would find you through this, this spirit of repentance. God, as we approach the word, as we pray, as we fast, we pray that, that you would empower us. May our repentance be pleasing to you. May it be honest. May it be exactly what you desire, what we need. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen.